Myra's high heels clicked like a metronome on the sidewalk, then jogged a few quick steps to catch up. Someone's in a hurry, he said. Yeah, well, someone's not wearing a skimpy dress made out of very thin fabric. <laughs> I bet you wish I was. Myra laughed and gently shouldered Ben without taking her hands out of her pockets. They crossed the street and found themselves walking parallel with the high, wrought-iron fence that marked the boundary of St. Mary's Cemetery. Hey, uh, do you mind if we walk on the other side of the street? Asked Ben. Why? I just, uh, I don't know, can we? Myra eyed the headstones they were passing, squared edges darker than the night jutting imposingly out of the earth. Uh-oh, is someone afraid of the spooky graveyard? I'm not afraid of the graveyard. There's just more light across the way. Myra sighed and checked both ways before stepping into the road. Ben followed. You're not allowed to talk about Halloween being for babies ever again. It is. This doesn't change anything. Then why are you even coming? She asked. Because you're making me, obviously. Myra looked at him and rolled her eyes. You're free to go back home if you want. Past the graveyard again. By yourself. Ben shook his head. I'm not going home. Myra smiled. Scared. How close are we? Myra checked her phone. A few more blocks. Samantha was the first to greet them as they stepped into the apartment, trying to shake off the cold. She hugged them both. Damn, said Myra. You look hot. Oh, thank you. Samantha stepped back into a pose. She was dressed as Harley Quinn. Let's just hope Ryan thinks so, too. And look at you, you sexy witch. Myra straightened out her pointed hat. Stop, you're making me blush. Ben took his and Myra's coats and hung them up on a nearby coat rack. What are you supposed to be? asked Sam. Myra sighed. Yeah, Ben, what are you supposed to be? Ben pulled a blank white mask out of his coat pocket and put it on. Guess. Uh, I literally have no idea, said Sam. Myra crossed her arms. He's the Phantom of the Opera. What the fuck? Dude, have you ever seen the Phantom of the Opera? Full disclosure, said Ben. No, I have not. You somehow managed to combine being the guy who's too cool to wear a costume with being the guy who dresses up just so he can wear a suit. If it wasn't so douchey, it would almost be impressive. Thank you. Hold on. Sam went to the kitchen. Myra and Ben followed. The apartment was dimly lit by strings of pumpkin and bat lights hung from the ceiling, and a dozen or so people milled about, chatting and drinking. Samantha grabbed a pair of scissors out of the kitchen drawer and gestured at Ben's mask. Gimme. Ben took off the mask and handed it to her. With some force, she cut the plastic diagonally to resemble the Phantom of the Opera mask and put it back on his face. Much better. One sec. She ran off down a dark hallway and reappeared a few moments later with a black bedsheet. She threw it around Ben's neck and tied it there as a cloak. There, she said. She stepped back to admire her work. Can I get you guys something to drink? Sure, that'd be great, said Myra. She surveyed the room. Everyone looks so great. I don't even recognize half these people. I know, right? Everyone really killed it this year with the costumes. I see Becca, Mark, Kyle. I can't figure out who that is, though. She pointed to a person wearing a white sheet with eye holes. They were standing in a corner, apart from the rest of the group. Is that Ryan? No. Sam pointed at a nearby boy in a hockey mask. That's Ryan. To tell you the truth, I, I don't know who that is. She wouldn't tell me. She just kept asking me to guess. Mmm, sounds like Bree, said Myra. Mmm, good call, yeah. 
They might be the one person here competing with Ben for least effort given. Yeah, that's definitely Bree. Sam handed full solo cups to Ben and Myra, and they went off to say hello to the rest of the group. About a half hour later, Bree walked into the party with a group of friends, dressed up as a farmer in overalls. Ben and Myra said hello and settled back into their conversations. Myra went to the kitchen for a snack, and when she came back, she tapped Ben on the shoulder. So wait, if that's not Bree, then who is it? She was looking at the person in the ghost sheet across the room. Wherever the conversation was, wherever the people were, the ghost seemed to always be just outside of them, close enough to listen, but never interjecting, never speaking up, and they never took off the sheet. I have no clue, said Ben. Myra turned to Sam. Do you think the ghost is Jessica? Hi, a muffled voice said from the other side of the circle. Oh my god, is that you, said Myra? A girl pulled her rubber zombie mask off her face and Myra squealed. I had no idea that was you under there. They laughed and hugged. We all thought that was maybe Anna in the ghost costume, said Jessica. Ooh, you might be right. And she's got like hidden cameras set up everywhere so she can put this on her YouTube channel as a social experiment, said Myra. Sam laughed. That's too perfect. The night progressed and everyone at the party grew more intoxicated while the same dozen Halloween songs repeated again and again on the stereo. All the while, Ben kept an eye on the girl in the ghost costume, casting careful glances in her direction. He never saw her eat or drink anything. He never saw her talk to anyone. A little before midnight, another small group of friends arrived. Anna was among them, but as far as Ben could tell, nobody else seemed to connect her presence to the ghost. Whenever he turned around, Ben thought that he could feel eyes on him, the girl in the ghost costume staring at him, he thought, but he was drunk and assured himself that it was only his imagination. After Anna arrived, Samantha lit up a joint and began passing it around. After a few minutes, everyone in the room began to feel a bit stoned, on top of all the alcohol they'd consumed. Many people began to remove warm or cumbersome parts of their costumes, and the couches became a strange, macabre sea of mismatched clothing and gruesome rubber faces. But still, the ghost girl remained covered. Myra, how was Spain? asked Jessica. Oh my god, amazing. If I could do every semester there, I would. I'm sure Ben would love that, said Samantha. Ben smiled and looked down into his drink. Oh, he'd kill me, said Myra. You're going to save so much money now that you can cancel your Pornhub subscription, dude. Kyle, wearing a leather jacket, his hair coiffed. Elvis. Everyone laughed. Ben took another sip and then the joint got to him. He took a hit of it and passed it along. Suddenly, he felt someone's hand on the back of his neck, ice cold. He jumped and spun around, but nobody was there. A chill ran through his body. On the other side of the room, he saw the ghost, staring at him through two haphazardly cut eye holes. He looked away. I'll be right back, he said, and headed towards the bathroom. He peed and washed his hands and looked in the mirror. He was sweating now, but he felt cold. He pulled the sheet tighter around him and left the bathroom. The ghost was waiting in the hallway outside of the bathroom. Ben froze, startled. Then, after a moment, he chuckled at himself, apologized, and walked away. The ghost entered the bathroom behind him and closed the door. Ben rejoined the group, but he could not shake the feeling that something was wrong. He continued to sweat, and soon felt himself sweating through his undershirt. And yet, he felt cold, almost freezing. He tried to find a thermostat somewhere in the apartment, but he did not see one from where he was standing. Instead, he grabbed his coat and put it on. 
The already dim apartment now seemed darker still. He had a gnawing anxiety brewing in his stomach that he could not shake. He felt as if the apartment was growing imperceptibly smaller. He felt the walls closing in. It was just after one in the morning when the first people began to leave the party. Mark, Kyle, and a handful of others said their goodbyes and were gone. Thus began the momentum that carried a parade of people to the door and out into the night over the next hour or so. By three, the party had wound down to a small, tired, and intoxicated core of a handful of people, among them Ben, Myra, Samantha, and the ghost. The ghost had joined their circle now, no longer standing on the outskirts, and though her eyes were not visible in his head, Ben was convinced that she was staring at him. Samantha spoke. All right, I give up. She turned to the ghost. You gotta tell us who you are. It seemed at first as if the ghost had not heard her, but then, slowly, purposely, the ghost turned to face her. Samantha put her hand on the sheet and pulled. Myra screamed and the lights went out. Ben stood planted to the floor. He wanted to run, find the door, but he found himself unable to move. It was even darker in the room than it should have been. Ben's eyes darted around, looking for a window, but he found none. Hey, Myra? No answer. It was pitch dark in the room. Ben held his hand in front of his face and saw nothing, and it was silent. He held his breath, but he heard no sign of Myra or Sam or anyone else being in the room with him. The temperature seemed to plummet and Ben found himself shivering, his skin clammy and wet. His breathing became rapid but shallow. He couldn't catch his breath, and a wave of panic came over him as he felt himself suffocating. It felt like there was a weight pressing down on his chest, as if the darkness was enveloping him, wrapping tendrils around him and squeezing. A pungent, sour smell fell over him. It was overpowering, and it filled his nose and mouth, gagging him, and suddenly a thought came to his head. The thought shot to the top of his consciousness, as if it had been placed there by some outside source, and once it was there, he found the thought inescapable. He could think of nothing else, and it occupied his every faculty. The thought was this. This was going to last forever. This pressing darkness, draining him of all hope, filling him with despair. This cold, sweaty darkness. This penetrating stench. It was going to be the whole of his existence until the end of time. There would be no end. He was trapped here, outside of time. He was overcome by dread. He could no longer even remember what joy was and he felt the entirety of his being coming under the darkness, being consumed whole. He couldn't tell if his eyes were open or closed. He needed to lift his hands to shield himself from whatever was bearing down on him, the other presence in the room with him, but he had no hands. He needed to move, to leave, but he no longer had a body. It was absolved into the darkness, and he was floating in an endless ocean of nothing, existing in non-existence. He cried out, I did it! It was me, he fell to his knees. I'm sorry, I dug her up, I kept her under my bed, and I fucked her. The lights in the apartment were on again. Please let me go, let me go, please, please. Samantha gripped the sheet in her hand. She and Myra watched as the girl collapsed from under it into a pile on the floor, her hair ratty and her skin pale. A maggot crawled out of her nose. She had been dead for many months. 